Hey everyone, this is Ari, the Just Dow It producer. This week we're bringing you another special episode. In this one, Adam actually gets interviewed. This is a recording from his appearance on the Blockchain Value podcast hosted by Olga Mack. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Blockchain Value. So excited to speak to you in 2023. It's our first episode and it is very exciting. We'll be talking about DAOs, what they are, what they aren't, and how they live in the legal world. I have a fantastic guest. He is passionate about DAOs. He's very knowledgeable. Um, I am a fan of his work and um, welcome, Adam, to the show. Please introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Olga. It's awesome to be here. My name is Adam Miller. I'm a founder and I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. Really cool. Um, what does that mean? What, what, <laughs> is, what is a DAO and what is a legal entity solution? What, what, like, unpack those words for me. That's a lot of words. <laughs> So we could have an awesome debate about what exactly a DAO is, but I'll give you our official definition, which is that a DAO is an organization that uses the blockchain for its governance, membership tracking, and or treasury management. So we're really focused on the, the technology and the mechanism that's used for those three things. And we can dig into that more, but what a legal entity solution for DAOs is, so a DAO is not a legal term, right? A DAO is a type of organization. It's a way of running an organization. Um, just like other companies, DAOs need legal entities in most cases, not all cases. So everyone knows that when you start a company, one of the first things that you do is you create a corporation or an LLC or a foundation, some kind of legal form for that company. Um, and we don't even think about why we do it, but we know we do it. The same is true for DAOs. Uh, most DAOs also need to form a legal entity when they get started. <laughs> Not a legal advice, but I can tell you why you do it. You protect yourself, your assets, your future, your children, your well-being, you know, your, your, your peace of mind. Uh, so there is a reason why uh, we incorporate, you know, incorporation is our LLC. Uh, it really is a function to, that allows you to move through business world freely and not worry about your house, for example. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the reason to do it. So that's really interesting. Let's unpack it a little bit because, you know, you know, DAO, the way you define it, which is, you know, fairly standard definition, sounds like it basically works as a corporation. You know, it has governance, you know, um, it has some sort of mechanism to enforce things. But what you're saying, it is not a legal entity, right? What you're saying is that the law does not recognize the piece of code as a corporate structure. That's effectively what we're working with, correct? Yeah, so whether you call yourself a DAO, a company, an association, or you might call yourself a peanut if you want to, if you're a group of people that's engaged in a common enterprise together, the law almost everywhere in the world, if not everywhere, sees you as an a freely associated um, association or a general partnership. And so that, that subjects you to default legal and tax treatment that you might want to avoid. And most importantly, likely, again, not legal advice, not give you the protection you want for you, yourself, for your family, loved ones, and you know, to make sure you have shelter and peace of mind. Uh, beautiful things that law allows you and to encourage commercial activities in the world. Um, and, it, and it's pretty much true anywhere in the world, correct? 
Yeah, it's pretty much true everywhere in the world, um, at least throughout the Western economy, which includes much of the rest of the world as well. Um, the concept of, of a legal entity is pretty consistent. And no matter where your legal entity is based, um, virtually every uh, part of this of the modern economy will respect that legal entity and thus it will protect you from the unlimited liability that Olga is talking about, which is that if you don't have a legal entity and your business, your company, your association, your peanut gets sued, the, they can come after you for your own personal assets. And, and that's really what you want to avoid, first and foremost. Keep your peanuts away from your assets. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Wow. I, I, may, I may adopt that as a tagline. Um, yeah. Protect your ass, protect your assets. <laughs> <laughs> That's not yeah. our official tagline. Maybe it should be. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I totally, I, I love it. Um, I'm not sure if I, the, somewhere between the peanuts and the other reference, I don't know. I have to think about it. Um, <laughs> Adam, I do want to talk to you about sort of future of organizing, a little bit more about what DAO is, but I actually want to situate folks in who you are. Like, how does somebody like you get to, I don't know, where you are today, what was the scenic route to Web3s, DAOs specifically? Mm -hmm. How did you get there? So I discovered Bitcoin in 2012 because I heard about the Silk Road and I <laughs> wanted to check out the Silk Road. We'll leave it at that. So I had to buy Bitcoin in order to see what the Silk Road was all about. For those of you who don't know, the Silk Road is a black market. Everyone went to jail. It's, it's not something we want to go into a lot of detail about. Um, but I wanted to check out the Silk Road, which was on the dark web. So I had to buy Bitcoin. I bought Bitcoin at $8, $10, $12. And at that time, it was exploding in value. So right away, I got really interested in Bitcoin, too. I begged my friends and family to buy Bitcoin at that time. And luckily, I have about one family member and three friends uh, who bought Bitcoin in 2012, thanks to me. But after that, I kind of lost interest, to be honest. Um, it wasn't until about 2020 that I recognized the truly amazing innovation that was happening with blockchain technology, especially with Ethereum. And of course, now there's even many more blockchains and approaches aside from even Bitcoin and Ethereum. But it was seeing what people were doing with NFTs and eventually DAOs that, that, that I got just completely obsessed. I mean, to me, blockchain, Web3, especially DAOs, they represent the future of how we organize ourselves as civilizations, as societies, as cultures. Um, this new layer of capabilities that um, enables us to organize ourselves in, in new and novel ways that we probably can't even imagine today how they're going to be used in the future. That's when I said, oh my goodness, I have to devote my life and my career to blockchain, to Web3, to DAOs. So the first thing I did was I started a consulting company thinking um, I'll consult for DAOs. And through this consulting, I'll figure out what their biggest needs are and I'll build technology to meet those needs. But one of the DAOs I was consulting for needed a legal entity because to us, it just made sense. Again, like every business needs a legal entity. And we started looking around and saw that there were no good legal entity options available. So that's what led us to reach out to our friends in the Marshall Islands and the government of the Marshall Islands to say, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here to uh, do something new. So what we ended up doing was uh, passing a law that's similar to what was done in Wyoming in the United States. But with the benefit of the Marshall Islands being a sovereign nation, not a state within the United States, um, it, we could do a lot more. Uh, so that's what eventually led us to pass this law, start the company called MyDAO, M-I-D-A-O, uh, to commercialize this new digital asset, digital organization, digital organization regulatory framework in the Marshall Islands. Okay, okay, a lot to unpack. Let's situate mm -hmm. people, I don't know, let's situate people where Marshall Islands are. Where, where is that? Yeah. 
good good idea so it's in the south pacific um if you flew from los angeles to honolulu that's about five hours and then if you went about another five hours in the same direction you'd hit the marshall islands it's one of the first island nations you'd actually hit coming from the united states if you went past the marshall islands you'd start getting to guam uh, fsm which is federated states of micronesia palau vanuatu and many more island countries yeah, I think when I looked on the map, I was like, between Hawaii and Philippines. <laughs> that's that's, what, we're talking, yes, and that, Australia. that's what we're talking about. Yes. And Australia, somewhere in that. So not a bad place. Uh, really not a bad place. Beautiful. Um, it, it is absolutely gorgeous. I've never been. Um, I, I, island nations are a little bit hard to, to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> very interesting. Let's talk about... You, you mentioned a couple of things. I, I want to talk about Silk Road because I, if, if you're interested in, his, in history, read it up. It's, mm-hmm. It is definitely going to be an iconic moment that we should never repeat in the history of Web3 or Internet. Um, and we can learn from. Moving forward from that, you mentioned that this is going to be a future of the way humans organize, civilizations change, and really we get stuff done. Tell me more. Tell me why. You know, is it all the time? Is it in some use cases? When is DAO good for? What is sort of virtues uh, to take advantage of it? Why, why, why DAO, I guess? So <laughs> let's briefly uh, revisit the beginning of human history. Um, many of you have probably read the book called Sapiens, which is, is a really fascinating um, investigation of human history. And in that book, the author makes, uh, and the author is Noah Yuval Harari, makes a compelling argument that what makes humanity such a dominant force on earth and what leads to all of our success, it's not our individual capabilities, right? We're not the fastest animal on earth. We're not the strongest. We don't have the biggest claws. Um, what makes us so powerful is that we collaborate with other humans in a really effective way. And so that started with just natural, organic, you know, groups of up to 50 people or 100 people. There's there's that number of like the most number of people that, that can naturally organize together without just you know, disintegrating into fights. But then beyond that, we, we started uh, inventing new forms of organization, right? It starts with tribes and then it goes to things like agriculture and how agriculture reshaped society. And then you get to religion, which is one of the biggest forms of organization ever invented by humanity. And eventually you get to cities and city states countries. More recently, a couple hundred years ago, you get to the limited liability company like the Dutch East Indies company and how much economic innovation was unleashed by just the concept of limiting liability of a group of people that organizes together and the joint stock corporation where people can own you know, small percentages of a company. And then about 50 years ago, the LLC was invented, which now is the most popular form um, of, of, of companies that are uh, registering as legal entities. That was just 50 years ago. Fast forward to today, DAOs are another great innovation on the scale of all of these other innovations that have happened throughout the history of humanity. So this is like one of the top 10 inventions. And the reason for that is that it, 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 it introduces a much uh, less expensive, more transparent, and much more scalable way to organize people. So think about a really good example is like Constitution DAO, right? Not the most effective DAO. They didn't end up achieving their goal. But Constitution DAO was able to organize millions of people, raise $50 million, and, and introduce a governance structure in one week. There's no way with a traditional company that you could start a company, form a legal entity, bring on a million shareholders, maybe it was 100,000 shareholders, and raise $50 million into some kind of governance structure in one week. At, at least that takes months, if not years. So, so that's... 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I no, I love it. You just took us on the on the journey from tribes to you know religion. You know, we skipped over inquisitions to the, the, <laughs> the last part of all LLCs um, and 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 the the way they encourage commerce. And you know, the, the thing to point out is that LLCs, there's nothing natural about them. They do not exist in nature. They are entirely human creations. They are legal creation. They create. They are creatures of statute. Right. And uh, had they not been created, they would not exist. There's nothing natural about them. And unlike LLCs that are already created, recognized and now have 50 years history, which is a short history in the grand scheme of histories. Um, things like those are actually today a purely technology. They may sound like technologies that have governance and pieces that LLCs have. But in fact, there are very few countries that if any, right, that actually recognize them as the legal structure. And and that's the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, that the problem we're trying to solve is that a DAO cannot easily fit into a traditional corporate corporation or LLC legal wrapper. And so DAOs were left with nowhere to go if they wanted that liability protection, if they wanted to pay their own taxes rather than IRS going after the individual DAO members for their taxes, if they wanted the ability to enter into contracts, sign agreements, own property. All of these things require a legal entity and are things that DAOs will probably want to do. But DAOs just don't fit into the traditional LLC. And that's why we created the DAO LLC. And why not? Um, do, do you have any thoughts on, on you know, why... Why, you know, one beautiful creature cannot be part of another beautiful creature. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it comes down to just a couple of things. One is the uh, record keeping requirements that most corporate entities require. Things like uh, keeping a written record of all of your members' names and addresses, having a written record of all of your meetings and your votes. I mean, think about for a DAO, anyone who's part of a DAO knows that all that stuff takes place on the blockchain. There's no reason and no interest in keeping a written record of everyone's name and address, um, even uh, simply uh, a written record of all of the votes, right? The record's on the blockchain. So we needed laws to say, that's okay. You can do your governance on the blockchain. By the way, this is Goldie. You see uh, burrowing in the bed behind me. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I can't take my eyes off. I mean, he's like, uh, I don't know, upstaging you, man. Adam, you yeah, are right? from competition. It's not me. He's doing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll unblur so that people can really take a peek at Goldie there. Very cute. <laughs> he is really having a good time with those pillows, man. She loves you it. Just, you know, like I always thought highly of you, Adam, but now with a dog, you reason. Like you definitely you. reason. <laughs> Anyone who's coming to ETH Denver and all the great side events like Dow Denver, Goldie's going to be there with me. She'll be with me on stage when I'm speaking. She'll be with me at my. And she's booth. a girl. Is she she's a girl? A girl. Goldie's yes. a girl. Oh, yeah. you definitely reason now. Jesus, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, the, 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 that alone is is enough of a reason why a DAO is not going to want to use a traditional legal wrapper. Um, but there's other small things that go into, you know, the way that uh, DAOs operate that are different from how traditional companies operate. That you want to know that whatever jurisdiction you're registering your DAO is actually not just. Uh, it's possible to be a DAO there, but that they want DAOs as part of their legal system. And they're going to develop DAO-friendly laws and further DAO-friendly regulations that you'll be able to take advantage of. I love it. Um, let's talk about things that, you know, if you're sort of purist in, 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 in the world of Web3 and blockchain, 
you know, this thing called decentralization, whatever the heck that means, uh, <laughs> and, and depending how purist you get there, you know, all of that sounds wonderful and good, but the beauty of DAO is that, you know, it's technology, it's automated, you don't have to be off-chain, you don't have to keep records, you don't have to do, you know, the last century stuff, you can embrace the 21st century, and now you're telling me we're actually going to anchor it in a traditional, you know, how LCS traditional 50-year-old institution can be um, in the scheme of things. Um, well, what does it do to decentralization? Is, does that really pose a challenge? Um, do, do, do we struggle with that? You know, I think any group of people that is collaborating on something, there's the risk that they're going to centralize in the way they operate, right? Some people will become louder or more popular or have more governance rights or have more influence over how other people vote. That That's maybe um, unavoidable, but I actually think a legal entity can help you avoid that. Because with a legal entity, what you're doing is you're writing down the rules of the organization in a way that not only will they be enforced on the blockchain, but if people try to break those rules off chain, you can hold them accountable in court. And so having a legal entity, I think, can actually help you solidify the decentralization of your organization. Now, when you leverage that legal entity to do things like have a bank account, that bank account certainly is centralized, right? That's TradFi. Um, and so those assets may be um, more at risk in, in the way that traditional centralized things are at risk. But you don't have to put all your money in a bank account, right? It's just an easier way for you to interact with traditional you know, the traditional world, let's say you want to buy a booth or sponsor a trade show. Now you have a bank account so you can write a check and you have an entity so you can sign a contract. But that doesn't mean you have to do most of your activity off chain. It just means you can when you want to. I love it. Um, very interesting explanation. Let me let me think about it. I need to process it. Um, I'm, I'm, I need, I, I'm still keeping up with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> but we'll talk about something that you're going to have to keep up with me. Let's talk about jurisdiction. I know yeah. that one really well. So let's talk mm -hmm. about jurisdiction. So you incorporate in Marshall Islands um, that that recognizes DAOs. Is, is, is that kind of the law that was passed? Yeah. So the, the law that was recently passed is called the Decentralized Autonomous Organizations Act of 2022. It was actually passed on Thanksgiving here in the U.S., but not Thanksgiving in the Marshall Islands. And um, that's the law that um, both explicitly um, reduces some requirements, introduces some new requirements that, that work for DAOs uh, instead of the old requirements. It also creates default treatment for important things that we need to make sure DAOs put into their operating agreements. So for example, if a DAO doesn't describe how its membership tracking works and its governance works, the default treatment is that whatever token that DAO uses will represent governance rights. And for every token you have, you'll get one vote. And so that way, if for some reason a DAO doesn't describe how their governance works, at least you have that default treatment. What that's really doing is telling DAOs you should put this type of information in your operating agreement, which is how you do your membership tracking and how you do your governance. And so if you look through the law, you'll see a number of default treatments that are basically like a guide to how to set up your governance, right? You need to make a decision about quorum. You need to make a decision about membership tracking, about governance rights, about joining the DAO and leaving the DAO. So all of those things go into the law. Uh, 
and, and, uh, and into the conversations with your lawyer when you incorporate because what, yes. what's happening with your lawyer is your lawyer essentially takes you through the questionnaire this is if we do nothing this is this is where you are do you love that do you not here's your options right so yeah. you, i think you essentially that's the beauty about defaults is that um they they force one um results and two conversations if if you want to intentionally change your future yeah and, and they tell you that that what the default talks about is an okay way of doing things right so in a lot of jurisdictions um you know there's no mention of governance tokens right in in any traditional legal um corporate framework anywhere in the world right now the default treatment talks about governance tokens and so you know it's okay to have a governance token and that even if you end up in court there's a legal statute that says it's okay to have a governance token and it's called a governance token and so there, there's a lot of gray area that um, people all over the world are, are are deep in in terms of you know tokens and securities laws um, so it can be helpful to have clarity on something like what a token is called <laughs> Yeah, well, Web3 is full of places where we can benefit from clarity, mm -hmm. <laughs> but maybe that's outside the scope. Let's talk about sort of, as I do want to talk a little more about jurisdiction, uh, when, what jurisdictions are currently recognizing DAO besides Marshall Island? And I guess, again, you know, you're not a lawyer and I'm a, I'm a lawyer who is not practicing in Marshall Island, so not legal advice at mm -hmm. all. Uh, take yep. that and consider it to be entertainment um, and educational yep. value. Um, how do you how do you how do you choose if there are choices? What are, what are my choices? Yeah, it's it's a great question. So um, the only jurisdictions in the world that I'm aware of that have created DAO specific legislation are states in the United States, such as Wyoming and and the, the country of the Marshall Islands. Now, that doesn't mean that there are not DAOs that are looking at leveraging other types of legal entities around the world, especially we hear about the Cayman Islands, Switzerland, and the British Virgin Islands, and sometimes Panama. Now, in all of those locations, what these DAOs are probably creating is actually a foundation, right? Not an LLC. And the downside of a foundation is that it has board members, it has trustees or officers. And in most of these jurisdictions, you're also required to hire a local independent director to sit on that board. I what love it. Guys... I pause it for a second. Like, okay. The downside of your foundation is the board members. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, humans is a problem. But but that's a yeah. sort of a traditional, it's basically foundation is essentially a form of corporation. Yes. Um, it's and, a, it's it, an... and it's exactly that operates in the same way. And and things like Ethereum is uh, have foundations. So that that is... That is not a small thing. That is actually a fairly widely accepted way to set up a Swiss foundation to govern yourself to deal with this problem. So this is actually, you, you can even say that that's the default way of doing things. I, I would say not for DAOs, but for, for crypto projects, yes. 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 Yep. Yeah. Thank um, you so, for that clarification. Yes. You, yeah. You're and absolutely so, right. And you're a really good junior lawyer in training. <laughs> I know. I'm learning a lot about law, but it's good to remind people that my DAO is not a law firm. I'm not a lawyer. We encourage our clients to also have a lawyer and a tax advisor. Um, 
Man, that disclaimer! Look at that disclaimer. You are like disclaimers are are important. Up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and I mean disclaimers are really important. You know, I think people almost just ignore them. It's like a cliche because you hear it in every podcast, every show. Um, but it's important for two reasons. One is you know you need to know that the person you're talking to is not trained in all of the issues that are going to be important to your your the legal issues that your your organization faces. The other thing is that a lawyer is required to really get to know the specifics of your situation and then only give you advice once they understand everything that's involved, right? Whereas you talk to a registered agent like us, I can tell you what I'm seeing, what all of our other customers are doing and what all the, the hundreds of DAOs I've talked, I've spoken with, I can tell you what, what I've heard their lawyers say, but even that isn't, you know, customized legal advice for your particular situation. Oh, you're muted. Uh, Olga, you're on mute. Oh, uh, we're coming to the end and we've had okay. a great conversation and, and thank you for pointing out that I was on mute. Um, <laughs> my, my, my house is being cleaned and my, my cleaners are unstoppable and thank God because I need help. Um, so, but that also means I have a vacuum machine right behind my door that that's making noises. Um, let's talk about DAOs. You know, we talk about, you know, obviously they're useful for your crypto project, your blockchain, your DAO project. But say you are, I don't know, a public company, you're listed on NASDAQ. Is that at all something you should, you know, explore, consider, think about? Yeah, so I think in 2023, we're going to see a number of Fortune 500 companies uh, release DAOs to the world. But these DAOs are not going to be governing the company, right? Starbucks is not going to turn over its corporate governance to a DAO, but Starbucks will create a DAO for its customers and for its community. Um, and so that's doing, I mean, imagine like you can have a newsletter your customers can join, you can have a discussion forum, or you can actually invite your customers to actually take part in governing something, right? Maybe voting on future product direction. Maybe a share of Starbucks profit goes into the DAO and the community gets to, to, excuse me, gets to decide how that money gets used. So there's a lot of reasons why DAOs, I think, will be popular for marketing purposes and customer engagement, community engagement purposes for large existing companies. Um, Eventually, and, and we see that, right? We see there are examples of that already happening. This this, this prediction is of explosion, not, not but it's already observable in, in, in the wild, right? I've heard of people announcing that they're doing it. I haven't actually seen concrete evidence of this happening. So, for example, I heard about Starbucks doing an NFT and the NFT makes you a member in a DAO, but I haven't actually confirmed that there's actually a DAO and that anything's actually happening that makes it truly a DAO as opposed to just saying there's a DAO. Okay, but that's it. But that's very forward. And by the way, Starbucks has a very enlightened board. They actually have members of the board who, you know, under 40. Um, and, and, and so this, and, and it makes sense. Starbucks is a product consumed by folks not, you know, just over 60 or 70 with, with degrees and everything. So it actually makes sense for consumer-facing product there's a really good way to inject governance that is more inclusive, you know, across, you know, yeah. various demographics, characteristics, because their product, you know, sells to many kinds of people. So it makes mm -hmm. sense. And it's, and it's un unfortunate when, you know, companies like that have governance that only includes, you know, certain, let's just say certain kinds of people. <laughs> 
<laughs> we all know yep. that. We all know what that means. That's yep. the subject of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so that is definitely a way, marketing purposes, or frankly, you know, feeling that you, you, what you consume represents you, um, is 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 one way to do it. Yeah. Let's talk about voting. How will that work? Um, and um, and what what are we seeing today? Yeah, so I mean, actually, I think there's a, an even broader issue that's worth discussing in, in, in the DAO community. So all of the say tens of thousands of DAOs that are out there, what I'm seeing most commonly is people who are reacting to the traditional corporate world that everyone's used to and saying, now we have a way to do things differently. So we're going to do things completely differently. Right. They're saying we're only going to use DAO technology and DAO approaches. We're going to have no management team, no board, uh, no hierarchy. Everything is going to go to a vote of all of the members. And we don't want to have people who control too much of the DAO. So people are really reacting and they're saying we're going to do the opposite. I think actually the future of DAOs is a future where we say DAOs are bringing this new set of capabilities to the table, right? Now you can do membership tracking by tokens, which existed even before DAOs were popular, right? It comes from blockchain. Now we can do governance using tokens as the proof of your, of your voting power, right? Whether it's NFT or otherwise, and we can transparently and instantly calculate the results of votes at scale and prevent fraud. Okay. And then finally, now we can control money on chain. So we can control a treasury directly from a governance process. Okay. Those are the new things, but what's going to be really amazing is when people start combining the old stuff with the new stuff. And they say, how can we maybe run an organization that maybe does have a hierarchy? Maybe it does have a board. Maybe it does have a CEO, right? We see sushi hiring a head chef. Sounds a lot to me like a CEO. And a lot of people are reacting against that and saying, well, maybe Sushi DAO isn't really a DAO. But actually, I think they're onto something. And what we need to see is people taking some of the old, some of the new, putting it together in novel ways. And that's where I think we're going to see hugely successful DAOs emerge. And they might not even call them DAOs, right? At, the, at that point, they might just call themselves a company and they might use the blockchain for governance. And therefore, maybe they do want to create a DAO LLC. Um, but maybe they even feel comfortable being in a traditional corporate structure, but leveraging some of the, um, the, the technology that we're developing in the DAO world. All right, we're coming, we're definitely coming to the end. And I want to talk about two things. And they're not going to be easy. Adam, I like okay. you that much that we're going to end <laughs> up difficult questions. Okay, um, love it. Yeah, so why hold back? Um, yeah. Let's talk about, look, I mean, my conversations with general public around blockchain, Web3, and, and crypto uh, have a positive or negative outcome that correlates with what's going on in the world, specifically FTX. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the, the phase and this technology is all time low. We are, you know, we're going to see this unravel for a few years. This is a magnitude that is worse than Enron. And you thought that could never get worse. And there we go. So that is not helping. All with that in mind, what do you, what do you think is the future of DAOs in light of FTX? Yeah, so actually, I think DAOs present a really compelling opportunity um, to help solve the problem of the FTXs of the world. Um, the reason I say that is that for the first time, thanks to legal entities for DAOs, DAOs can do all of the things that traditional companies can do, which means pretty soon we're going to see DAOs that are launching things like centralized exchanges, but governed by a decentralized organization. 
And now all of a sudden you might be able to have the features of an FTX platform without one person being in charge and being able to open hundreds of bank accounts all over the world and no one having any clue where the money is, right? Instead, things will be run in a very democratic, transparent, um, foolproof compliance manner in terms of the things that are important to preventing the FTXs of the future. So I think while it does put a bad uh, face on crypto and, and on Web3 for people who are not as familiar with it, but the fact is that what we saw in 2022 with a number of FTX type uh, uh, events happening is that we need decentralization more than ever. And even though these failures were part of the crypto ecosystem, what failed was the centralized institution and the centralized power structure. And that's exactly why we need DAOs and why DAOs are going to be so big in the future. Oh, look at you taking my difficult questions and making them work for you. All right, let's talk about <laughs> democracies. Um, you okay. know, uh, what, 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 what is the effect? You know, that all, that all sounds great. But, you know, democracy is, again, another new institution uh, in the world is struggling. Uh, we've seen it struggle. Yeah. Uh, how, how does DAO fit into that? Um, and where are we going with that? Sounds good. Yeah. And maybe before we close too, we should specifically answer the IRS question. If people are wondering why we say that the IRS may be after you. Um, in terms of democracy, it's a great question too, because the way most DAOs are operating and what's made possible by doing on-chain governance is you can have a, a company or an organization that operates much more like a democracy than like a traditional company. And, and that's what's getting people really excited, but it's also leading people to, to say, well, democracies aren't effective. They're inefficient, they're slow. What if, you know, sure, you could leave uh, the decisions up to everyone, but what if everyone's wrong? And I think those are relevant and rational criticisms, but what I would ask people to consider is which do people prefer to live in? Do people prefer to live in a dictatorship or do people prefer to live in a democracy or even get philosophical about it and say, which is better? What should people prefer to live in? What's the way people should um, govern things in our lives? And to me, the answer is democracy. And when, when you give people, especially customers, a choice between uh, bringing their business to the dictatorship of Starbucks, right? And I love Starbucks. I'm not criticizing Starbucks. That's all we've had for a long time. You can go to the dictatorship of Starbucks where, yeah, they're shareholders, but all they really get to do is elect the dictator every now and then, right? Or go to the coffee company that is much more like a democracy, right? It's like the America of coffee companies because everyone gets voting power, not just the people with financial interest in generating profits. I think people will choose that version of Starbucks. And a really good example I like to give, I'm writing an article about this right now, is sports, right? Think about how much people love sports. And it goes much beyond, way beyond just being a fan. There's sports betting, there's fantasy sports, and now there's even the combination of fantasy sports and sports betting. Those, those new inventions have led to way more engagement in sports than they ever saw before. Imagine when you can actually involve people in the decision-making processes about their favorite team. Now it's not even fantasy sports, it's DAO sports. It's you get to help decide whether or not you sign that next player and whether or not you, let's say you, you, you bench someone for doing something inappropriate out, outside of the league, right? You get to take part in a democracy of running a sports team. Now, are you going to prefer to be a fan of that team or the team where you have absolutely no decision-making power? Adam, and I, 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 I don't know if it's cheating to combine democracy and popular sports. 
think that's cheating. I think it's totally cheating. It's um, but yeah, awesome. you can go ahead and answer your IRS question. Um, <laughs> if you found it like you really wanted to. I, you know, I was trying to end on the democracy, and you want to end on IRS. <laughs> I want to end on so taxes. Let's do it. Tell me okay. more about IRS. Yeah, and I love this. <laughs> I love it because, you know, I gave a talk on this recently at a conference and literally at the end, people who are involved in DAOs were standing up and yelling like, this can't be true. I mean, are you really saying that I'm going to be held liable for these taxes? And everyone on stage was mostly lawyers and me was like, unfortunately, yes, this is definitely true. And what we were talking about is um, the fact that, okay, so any unincorporated association. So again, any group of people that's working on something together, again, whether you call it a DAO or a peanut or a company or whatever, if you don't have a legal entity, the tax institutions of the world, including the IRS, are going to look at that organization's activity and they're going to come after the individual people involved in that organization for taxes on the entity's earnings. So if your DAO, which is not incorporated, has a profit of a million dollars this year and there's 10 members of the DAO the IRS, who have equal voting rights, the IRS is going to come after each of those 10 people for taxes on $100,000 worth of earnings. This is, now, it, it actually hasn't happened yet. We haven't actually seen the IRS yet suing DAOs that are, are not having people pay taxes in this way, but it is almost a certainty that DAOs that do not form some kind of legal entity will be treated as general partnerships and the IRS will come after you for taxes on that organization's earnings, not just when they finally decide to start paying attention and really learn what a DAO is in the first place, but they'll go back and they'll tax you for all the back taxes on years of those DAOs earnings. So I think people need to be really careful about their participation in unincorporated DAOs. And that's the biggest reason why people need to start thinking about, should I incorporate my DAO and what's the best way to incorporate my DAO? And whatever you do, treat this as entertainment and education, not legal advice. Uh, tax planning is an art and True. science that neither Adam nor I are fluent in or competent to, to give you advice. But yes, that's, there is definitely the protection of corporations and LLCs. That's the thing in most jurisdictions. Those are technologies. They're not default uh, corporate entities or LLCs. So yes, it is you, the person who is responsible and um, yes, it is a consideration why many folks will not join a DAO, especially yeah. uh, once you have a certain income and assets that you want to protect. That will definitely yeah. be a decision that you make whether you join the joy. Um, with that high note, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. What is the one thing you want folks to take away from this conversation? Um, DAOs need to think of two things. If you're not involved in a DAO or you're just learning what a DAO is, DAOs have the capacity to change the way we organize ourselves as a species. So go, it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen in the next five or 10 years. Go learn more about DAOs. Um, reach out to me if you want to talk about DAOs. Um, get involved in a DAO. Start a DAO. If you're already involved in DAOs, what I want to encourage you to do is to just ask the question in your Discord, wherever your DAO communicates and collaborates, are we incorporated? Are we thinking about incorporating? Do, do we, are we getting legal advice? Do we have a lawyer? Do we have a tax advisor? And, and how is this DAO going to protect me as an individual member from having all the tax liability and other liability put onto myself as an individual? Oh, I love it. And if you ever thought you cannot combine technology, IRS, um, <laughs> 
and law in one happy conversation. We just proved them all wrong. Adam, yep. thank you so much for this fantastic thank conversation. You. I hope we talk again. <laughs>